0: Talk to my friend, Drew Allen. And I'll Allen. tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die Allen. hard conservative. I look into this guy for wisdom. The Democratic Party doesn't do accidents. Everything is carefully orchestrated and planned. I know it doesn't doesn't change, it doesn't alter the fact that they're absolutely insane. That we know. Every day, that becomes more and more undeniable if somebody somehow didn't get that already. But between the media and the Democratic Party, which is one in the same, everything is orchestrated. And I want to use the latest example to explain that. Now, what was it? A day or two ago, you had Stephen Breyer. Well, he didn't even he didn't even announce his retirement from the Supreme Court. It came from a leak from the media, from the from the Democratic Party, the White House, and Stephen Breyer was surprised, apparently according to Shannon Bream. Who has connections there on Capitol Hill to the Supreme Court? Well, she describes Stephen Breyer as saying he was blindsided. Here, here, here's Stephen Breyer. He he wasn't look, this is how the Supreme Court functions, which makes perfect sense. I think the first of October it is. That's when they come into session. And then I think it's they go through July, and then they have this recess. And until October, they're carefully analyzing petitions, trying to figure out what cases they're going to analyze for the upcoming year, October to July. So it doesn't mean they stop working after July, but you know, October, July is the heavy lifting. That's when they've analyzed everything, figured out what cases they're going to consider before them. They do their research and study, and then they alternate between sitting in sessions and recessing. In which they hear the oral arguments and then they craft their responses, right? And making their decisions. Okay, so so July obviously isn't here. It's not even February yet. So Stephen Breyer had, of course, spoken to his staff, people around him. And he'd said, okay, yeah, look, you know, I'm thinking about retiring. I'm 80. I just gave this really embarrassing uh, cognitive uh, failing it seemed like in this case against the COVID mandates in which I, you know, claim there were whatever, five, I don't know. You know, we went over this in another episode. But, so Stephen Breyer makes sense that he would retire, but but he, he, he you know, he wasn't going to make this announcement until July. There's, there's still work to be done. There's still cases they're hearing. And then all of a sudden what happens? It gets leaked that he's going to retire. He didn't expect that to come out. And I sat there scratching my head. Okay, there's more to this story. What happened? Well, now we know what the more to the story is. What month is it? January. What month is next month? February. The timing of this, right? The timing of this. Why would they leak this now? Well, February's Black History Month. And the Democrats... Have announced, Joe Biden's announced, he's going to nominate the most uh, brilliant, the most capable, the most learned Supreme Court justice in all of history. And they must be a black woman. Don't you get a kick out of this Democratic Party, the party of true racism and discrimination? I mean, imagine being look at how they look at black people as pawns as props you know it's not hey we're going to we're going to nominate the most capable candidate the best candidate we can find and then if it so happens that it's a black person great but that's not how it goes they are only going to nominate a black female and they're going to do it now because February is Black History Month, which magnifies what? Their argument. We have to get the first black female on the Supreme Court. Look at us, the Democratic Party, the party of firsts. And so it all makes sense now, doesn't it? So they know Breyer was going to retire, but they can't miss a golden opportunity. And they can calculate. And unfortunately, I've got to tell you, their calculation is probably correct because we know the Republican Party just like they do. They're a bunch of cowards and wimps and they cave to any kind of criticism or pressure. So what better time to get there, uh, Stephen Breyer, who was old and aging, to ensure that, of course, you know, a Republican doesn't take office in 2024. They don't want to miss an opportunity to get another liberal activist justice on the court. And so here's Stephen Breyer He wants to retire. He's thinking about July, which makes sense. He's still there. He's still working. He spent all this time since October working with these justices on choosing these cases to consider, on developing arguments, developing, uh, studying these issues, even if he's an activist. But he's a justice. That's what he's doing. And here comes the Biden administration to railroad him, to shove him out the door Sooner than he even anticipated or wanted to, so that they can take advantage of February, which is Black History Month, and try and ram through their nominee and have the Republicans cave. They want this to be as easy as possible. I got to tell you, I keep hearing from our side and others out there everything the Democrats do. This is just a distraction. This is just a di-. look, anything's a distraction, sure. But we can't sit here and just say, I, I, I mean, look, I'm just getting tired of hearing, this is a distraction. Biden's up to this. He's got another distraction. I mean, yes, yes, anything and everything is a distraction, but it's not. The intention of doing this isn't to create a distraction. All right, they haven't changed, and they're just looking for things to divert our attention. They're still trying to get business done. They're still trying to shore up the court. They're still up to their usual behavior. Their usual intentions, usual ambitions, which is what? To continue to screw this country. To continue to solidify, with a long-term objective, their power in Washington, D.C. And so, of course, you know, they claim that we have a conservative majority on the court. We don't. Kavanaugh, we don't know yet. He doesn't seem super reliable. We know that Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, he's not reliable at all. He votes with the left more than he does with conservatism. And we got to stop talking about conservatives and Democrats on the court. That's not what it's about. It's about constitutionality. So we've got activist judges coming out of the Democratic Party. They do not rule according to the law. And in fact, I think it was uh, Maisie Hirono out of Hawaii. Boy, Hawaii really gave us a gym with her. I'm being facetious, of course. But Maisie Hirono, she came out and said something, you know, we need more justices that, that don't just rule based on the law. There's something to that effect. But that's the mentality of these people. The Constitution's not important. It's about ruling against the Constitution, outside of the Constitution. I mean, that's the role of the justice, right? To, to withhold the Constitution, the laws of the land. But, of course, the activists, that's not their role. They don't care what the Constitution says. They're there to rule like, you know, the Civil War era. Well, we know the Constitution doesn't say black people aren't Americans and that they don't have rights, but, you know, um, it says we the people, and, you know, since the Founding Fathers, you know, they, they couldn't have thought that—, that You know, black people, they didn't consider black people people, even though if you read what most of the founding fathers wrote to each other, they were appalled by slavery. They wanted to get rid of it. But you know what? We're just going to reimagine the Constitution here. And uh, we the people. Yeah, well, it doesn't say uh, it doesn't explicitly say black people have rights. So uh, we're going to go with a no on the constitutional rights to blacks. But that's what they do. That's how they think. It's about pushing forward their agenda. It's about making up things, it's about inventing things, rewriting history, reinventing history to push forward their agenda. So they're not upholding the Constitution, the Constitution doesn't matter. They go and find ways, invent ways, bastardize it. Just like somebody reading the Bible in many of these churches today. Pick something you like here, throw out something that you don't like there, but you're not living your life as a Christian based on what the Bible says, you're living your life, and if the Bible says something that you don't like, you find a way, find a passage, find something, even though you know it's not true, it's not represented in the Bible, but you just find something to kind of tweak and change or ignore so that you can continue to do what you want without feeling guilty. That's the way these activist justices are. So it's not, I mean, look, yeah, yeah, Gorsuch, uh, we don't know about him yet. Nor do we know about, uh, whatever, the new Catholic gal on the Supreme Court either. So we don't have a solid, we need a bunch of Clarence Thomases. That's what we need. So, of course, they're nominating. They're nominating in the most racist way, fashion, saying, yes, only a, a black female justice. That's the only thing that'll do because Black History Month is coming, and I dare you to go against this on black, during Black History Month. And it's so appalling and outrageous. We can't question them. We can't. They just want us to sign off on it. And of course, they're going back to 1986 or so. I think that's when Antonin Scalia, the late, great Antonin Scalia, when he uh, was voted and approved by the Senate, I think it was 98 to 0. They go go back to that time and say, look, look how things used to be. We used to not not uh argue about this. Whoever was in charge, we just greenlit it. We just signed off on the dotted line. No opposition, we just, except of course what happened a few years later in 1991, Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas, who was a shoe in a brilliant, brilliant lawyer, and in the 11th hour, as it looked like he was going to glide in, what happened? Anita Hill. Anita Hill. This is the black woman uh, who made outrageous allegations against Clarence Thomas. Accused him of uh, talking about showing pornography, for example, in his offices. And this was never corroborated, despite the fact that he had had already had, he'd been working in the federal government in whatever capacities for many, many years. He'd had, I think, four FBI-conducted background checks. This never came up in his history at all. And in fact, when Anita Hill came forward and made these ridiculous allegations out of nowhere, despite him already being in the public eye for so long, well, Joe Biden, who was heading the Senate Judiciary Committee at the time, well, he gave Anita Hill a platform. He allowed her to speak. It is Joe Biden who voted against and tried to smear. He, oh, he oversaw the hearings that digressed into this reprehensible, reprehensible slandering of Clarence Thomas by a woman who 12 other women came out and said and refuted what Anita Hill was claiming and charging him with. They all said they'd worked with him. This was not who he was. It was a lie because it wasn't true. It was always made up by Anita Hill and she was a useful idiot for the Democratic Party to try and smear and slander him and prevent him him from being appointed to the Supreme Court. And so Joe Biden now is going to nominate some black female. And we're told we cannot question, we just have to sign off on it and put this liberal activist judge justice on the court. And this guy presided over the very hearings that were the precursor to the Kavanaugh hearings. The precursor to pretty much any hearing that, that, that involved a Republican or conservative or originalist justice. And so that's why they're doing this. So now it's all clear. They shoved Breyer out the door. They leaked it. Look, even with their own, even with their own people, they have no mercy, no respect. Stephen Breyer, I don't like the guy. I don't agree with the guy. But he's been on the court a long time. He's in his 80s. The guy deserves to retire on his own terms, does he not? Isn't that right and fair? That's how it is for most justices. And yet someone got this information and leaked it. They're not loyal to Breyer. They don't respect Breyer. As soon as it's convenient for them, they will toss you aside. That's how the Democrats are. But of course, Breyer won't speak out against it. He won't condemn the Democratic Party. He just said he was blindsided, apparently. But he's going along because it's a well-oiled machine. It's party first, America last. And this is how they operate, though. But here's an 80-something-year-old guy. Sunset years, wants to retire in July. He's already put in all this work since October. And the Democrats leak it and basically force S- Stephen Breyer to retire. Shove him out the door so that they can take advantage of February, which is Black History Month, and try and force through their activist, loser, first black female. And they say, you know, that's funny. They say, well, you know, the Supreme Court, um, it really needs to reflect America, So we need another black judge on the court. Um, 14% of the American population is black, if you want to play this game. Clarence Thomas is one one of nine. That's 11%, if my math is correct. And so putting another black judge on the bench actually... Is not an accurate reflection or representation of America. But of course, that's not even a conversation we want to have. We don't care. We just want the the most capable people, those who've earned it, those who deserve it, the most brilliant. And by the way, look who they put on the on the on the uh, on the court. The dumbest people possible. The dumbest people. Sotomayor. Elena Kagan. I did my whole episode, whatever, a week or two ago. When they were hearing those oral arguments about the, uh, the OSHA, Biden-OSHA mandates, vaccine mandates, and so on and so forth in the workplace, obviously that got shot, shut down by the Supreme Court. But Kagan, Sotomayor, even Breyer, they demonstrated how stupid they are, how stupid they are. And yes, you can make the argument, and I did too. I mean, sure, sure. In some cases, it's not that they're stupid. It's that they they're activists. But in this case, especially with Kagan and Sotomayor, it's not just that they're activists. They're both activists and they're unintelligent. That's a fact. So anyway, this is how it works. There's always a reason behind everything the Democratic Party does. And I really would love to be wrong about this prediction. I I really am praying that the Republican Party proves me wrong, but unfortunately experience and paying attention to this stuff for as long as I have, I'm probably going to be right. And that's not a good thing for America. Because here we go, Black History Month. Here we go, the first black female. And that's what this is about, as I explained. But they're going to tie this into voting rights as well. Just wait for it. Here's the way this is going to probably play out. If, for example, the Republicans stand their ground and say on the basis of the candidate's ineptitude for the highest office in the land in terms of the Supreme Court, if they stand their ground and oppose this, they will say that the Republicans are racist. They are trying to prevent the first black female from serving on the Supreme Court because they're racist. That's right. Republicans are all a bunch of racists. That's the narrative. And the Democrats here are trying to do what's right in this country to push it forward, just like they're trying to do with voting rights. So if they oppose the black female on the Supreme Court, that appointment, they're then going to say, look, look, here's the proof. Here's the proof. We've been telling you we need to pass this Voting Rights Act, this Voting Rights Legislation, which is nothing more than a voter theft act because what's the premise there? Republicans are trying to suppress the vote. We're trying to prevent blacks from being able to vote, from having their voices heard. They're going to focus on blacks, and they're going to say they won't let a white female on the Supreme Court, and they also won't let us pass the Voting Rights Act because they hate black people. They don't want black people to be represented in this country. They don't want them to be able to vote, And it's all a bunch of garbage, but that's the narrative that we're going to hear that's going to make us sick to our stomachs. And unfortunately, people like McConnell will probably cave because they don't have the willingness to put up a fight. Because, look, it's so obvious how to rebut this. What a perfect time. Joe Biden who did not vote for a black male supreme court justice in Clarence Thomas who over who presided over the very hearings that allowed Anita Hill to smear and try to destroy with her lies the credibility and life of Clarence Thomas so he tried to destroy a black man and prevent him from being on the supreme court but now Joe Biden's going to nominate The first black female and preach to us and accuse us of racism, of opposing black people on the court? That's all that has to be said. It's so easy for us. But that's how it's going to play out. And I expect the Republicans to cave. And again, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think they have the courage to put up a fight. They're going to be thinking about the midterms and they are going to miscalculate that fighting this battle is going to ruin their chances of taking back the House and Senate in 2022. Because the media is going to do what the media does. They're going to pile on Nancy Pelosi's going to take to the airwaves, go and stand somewhere on the Capitol and stare into the camera with her eyebrows crawling off her face with her Botox, 81 years old, and preach the same message um, Republicans Republican are racist racist uh, and they, the voting rights stuff they won't do and the, they hate black people and they oppose women and we're trying to stand for white black. i mean black women everywhere and, and that's what's going to happen and mitch mcconnell's going to say uh, well i'm not i'm not i'm not a racist i'm not a racist at all i i, I I love strongly black people, and I'm I believe that I'm gonna whip this Senate into shape. And any any Republican who opposes opposes this <laughs> opposes this black female nomination, even though if it's Stacey Abrams' sister, oh, I, so you're racist. This is this is wrong. We don't want to shut. So that's probably what's gonna happen. But something really odd, too, has happened. Joe Biden, of course, is passing off this duty in terms of analyzing who these four or five black females are going to be under consideration. Well, he's passing that task on to Kamala Harris. Have you ever seen a president, a president in your lifetime, pass off every significant responsibility that is his and his alone to the vice president? He made her the border czar. He made her the czar of this, the czar of that. Every important legislative piece of the Democrats' agenda and all of the crises that they've created that they want to pretend to confront and deal with searching for the root cause of illegal immigration, root cause. He doesn't want anything to do with it. And that I don't understand yet. It could be a couple of different things. You could say that he's... Well, as much of a disaster as this administration is, they're setting her up to take the blame for it all. Well, you know, Kamala Harris, she didn't solve the border problem. We put her in charge of that. We put her in charge of the voting rights legislation, getting that message out there. I put her in charge of the, you own this, Kamala. I don't know if that's it. I don't really understand it. I mean, it could just be as simple as Joe Biden can't do this stuff physically or mentally. That's also true. It could be both of these things at the same time. But I've never seen this happen before. But there's one thing I know about this. Joe Biden doesn't really want to be president. Not like Barack Obama wanted to. Not like Hillary Clinton wanted to. He's not there mentally. He's always just been a a pawn a part of the Democrats' strategy. He was the only guy they felt like they could pretend was a moderate to get elected. An old white guy, right? The party that now wants to put a black female. Now, they couldn't do it for a presidential candidate. They didn't make Kamala Harris the the, the presidential pick because, well, Democrats hated her and America hated her. And we see she's almost as bad, if not worse, in her own way than Joe Biden when she talks. She's so artificial She's so insincere. She just comes across just as robotic as Joe Biden. She comes across without any kind of emotion. Everything's forced from her. It's it's cringeworthy to watch. And we don't hear much from her either, by the way. They keep her almost as hidden as Joe Biden or more than Joe Biden. I'd actually like to see more from her because if she was running the show, if she well, neither would be running the show, but if she was the president of the United States— They couldn't hide her in the basement. The strategy wouldn't work because no one would accept it. We all accept. You have to admit it. Everyone knows Joe Biden's not there. And that admission alone in your minds, that acceptance, permits Joe Biden from being the least accessible president in modern American history. They couldn't get away with that with Kamala. But anyway, he's given the Supreme Court stuff off to her as well. But there's something else going on, and this is the clearest indication that the Democrats know they're in trouble yet. Now, we know they're in trouble. We've seen plenty of evidence of this. That they're going to get shellacked in the 2022 midterms. That's why they're pushing the voting rights stuff so hard, because they know they cannot win. They don't have a chance of keeping anything if elections are free and fair come the midterms. That's why they're pushing this voter voting theft act. But Nancy Pelosi has now broken a promise to the Democrats back in 2018. I don't know if you remember this, but she announced that basically she wasn't going to be running for re-election. Right. You've got two year terms here in Congress, so you're you're pretty much always running for office, it seems. But she was going to bow out, supposedly, coming up in 2022. She wasn't going to run for re-election. And that was part of the deal that she made with the Democrats in Congress. To get the gavel back. Because there's been a lot of infighting. She's 81 years old now. You've got the young upstarts. The AOC's. The squad there. The Ilhan Omar's. There are others too that aren't them. But the younger crowd. In the Democratic Party. That's chomping at the bit to take control of the party. To get their chance. To sit there and eat the steak. And not get the leftovers. They want the power. But Nancy Pelosi's maintained it. And so this has been the schism in the Democratic Party about the New Guard and the Old Guard. Now, the New Guard is one in many regards because they've yanked this Democratic Party all the way to the left, radical left, left of communism even. There is not a Democrat apart from Cinema and Mansion in the Senate at least, that represent any kind of moderation whatsoever. Everyone else is totally radical lost their minds, died in the wool communists. And so in 2018, part of her agreement with the caucuses there was that she was going to transition power into someone else's hand to start that transition in the Democrat Party, to move out because she's old. It's time for some new blood. But now she's gone back and reneged on that promise. She's announced she's running for re-election in 2022. So Nancy Pelosi's not giving up. She's not going anywhere. And I'll tell you what this means. I think, let me look here. We just had, I mean, every day, every day, more and more Democrats announce they're going to be retiring, which tells you what, they expect to lose. And so now we just had a uh, Tennessee Democrat, Representative Jim Cooper. Well, he announced on Tuesday of this week that he's going to retire from Congress after serving 16 term. Good riddance. 16 terms. This goes across the board, by the way. It's why we need term limits. But 16 terms this guy's been in there. And he's retiring now? He's the 29th Democrat in the House to announce plans of retirement. 29th. That's 29 people who've decided it's better re- to retire than go out with a loss. They don't want to take the L. 29. But Nancy Pelosi's from San Francisco, right? She represents San Francisco, a district out there. She's gonna win no matter what. So her her retiring would not have been an indication of the tides turning in San Fran. That's as blue as it gets. You know, you 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 could, could put a block of Swiss cheese up and put a D on it. And people would vote for the Swiss cheese. That's how blue San Francisco is, how radical communist that place is. And so obviously, her decision has nothing to do with being worried about losing re-election. That's not the case at all. So why would she decide to run again? There's a couple things here. One, she's arrogant. She doesn't want to give up power. She loves power. She thirsts for power. She lives for power. That's all Nancy Pelosi's about, her own power. And she takes great pride in it. And I got to give her credit. She is an effective leader. She is what we need in the Republican Party. Can you imagine if we had a Nancy Pelosi in the Republican Party in leadership? That would change things so dramatically for us. Someone who really had the power to mold, to keep people in line, to keep people conservative. Defending America, like Nancy Pelosi's able to radically transform this country, getting everyone in her party to vote with her. So Nancy Pelosi deciding to run for re-election is her announcing that they know they're going to get screwed. Well, they're not going to get screwed, Okay. America won't be getting screwed anymore if we take back the House and the Senate. But they know they're going to get shellacked and defeated in 2022. I think they expect now to lose both the House and the Senate, which is huge. Huge. This does not happen very often. This type of wave, this type of change, this type of rejection of a party. But it's going to happen in 2022. And so here's Nancy Pelosi the Democrats' last best great hope. They know they're walking into a very difficult, lame-duck presidency. And they don't have anyone that they believe can be an effective leader in the minority either. They don't have anybody in line that they trust, like they trust Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi doesn't believe anybody can help them weather this storm better than her. So that's why she's running again. Instead of retiring at 81 years old, she's going to run for re-election and try and lead this party. It's ironic, isn't it? It's her own sunset years, and hopefully she's leading the Democrats in their sunset years as well. That's what I hope. I really hope. We need these to be the sunset years of the Democratic Party. We need what's happened over the last five years or so that's continuing to take place to awaken Americans enough that they totally reject the Democratic Party in the future, that every year from now on, the Democrats lose more and more power, more and more control, and that they are not a viable political party in this country anymore. So that's what that's about with Nancy Pelosi. By the way, did you see, uh, there was a story in Breitbart, you know, we were talking about this before with Peter Schweitzer, who's done amazing work investigating the corruption in Washington, D.C. But, um, you know, Pelosi's family's done a lot of business in China since the COVID outbreak. You know, her husband's got all these different uh, companies and so on and so forth, investments as well. And they've really made a killing off of uh, the COVID outbreak and with their investments and so on and so forth in business ventures in China. And that's part of the problem too. The CCP's infiltrated this government, infiltrated our bureaucracies, and that's why we're in the shape we're in today. That's why we're kowtowing to China and we are hollowing out America. But I want to give you an update too on on what took place more more information about this Russia Ukraine crisis. So, Joe Biden apparently he had a uh, conversation with uh the Russian president Zelensky. Now, this is from CNN. Now, CNN posted this. Uh there's a tweet sent out with this article, per a senior Ukrainian official, Biden told Zelensky that a Russian invasion of Ukraine is now virtually certain and that Kiev could be sacked, prepare for impact, Biden reportedly said. Zelensky disagreed, and as I reported, asked Biden to tone down the rhetoric. Whoa, what is going on here? This is just like before when Biden was saying, hey, right, the State Department issued the evacuation order for families of embassy personnel, American embassy personnel in Ukraine, And then Zelensky said, what are you doing? Uh, Kiev is safer than the streets of Los Angeles. And the EU piled on too and said, they they called it premature what the Americans were doing. So let me read a little bit about this, a a little bit of this to you. On the call described by the official as Long and Frank, he said President Biden told his Ukrainian counterpart that a Russian attack may be imminent. According to the official, President Zelensky of Ukraine restated his position that the threat from Russia remains dangerous but ambiguous. But it is not certain, Zelensky said, that an attack will take place. According to the official, President Biden disagreed. Insisting an invasion was now virtually certain. Once the ground had frozen later in February, the official told CNN adding that the U.S. president said the Ukrainian capital, Kiev, could be sacked and that Russian forces may attempt to occupy it. The official said that President Biden rejected Ukrainian calls for sanctions to be imposed on Russia ahead of any invasion, saying that the U.S. leader again made clear that sanctions would only be imposed on Moscow after a Russian advance into Ukrainian territory. In his response, the official told CNN that President Zelensky urged his American counterpart to calm down the messaging warning of the economic impact of panic. He also said Ukrainian intelligence sees the threat differently as do other countries in Europe. So, you know, Ukraine is privately having their own discussions with the Russians in Paris, as, as are other people in NATO. And they're hoping for a ceasefire agreement with rebels in eastern Ukraine that that would be maintained, the ceasefire that's going on. So what's going on here? So Biden and the United States are asserting that they apparently have information that leads them to believe something that is totally foreign and shocking to Zelensky. They're not on the same page at all. And Ukraine's asking for us to implement the sanctions. And President Biden is saying, no, we won't. We won't put sanctions in place until they sack Kiev. Now, look, this is what I've been saying all along. There's something fishy going on. Something that doesn't add up. Something that doesn't make sense. And I'm a. And look, my opinion, I'll tell you right now, is not popular. You know, I write these articles, and they get posted pretty quickly, published pretty quickly. I wrote an article, and I'm still waiting to see where it goes. Nobody's picked it up yet. This isn't a uh, victim thing, okay? That's not my. I'm just telling you that what I believe is going on. Is, is true, and what other people are, are trying to suggest, they're, getting, they're late to the game. They're not seeing things like I'm seeing things, and I'm doubling down on my position right now because this seems to reaffirm it. Biden this administration seem to be perfectly happy and content and fine with allowing Russia to invade Ukraine. Look, if Joe Biden is asserting that he believes they're going to sack Kiev imminently, But Ukraine is saying it's not so imminent. Okay, if Joe Biden believes it's imminent and his goal is to prevent Russia from invading Ukraine and taking Ukraine, then why does he not implement sanctions now? Do you know what would stop the Russians in their tracks right now? This is so frustrating because it's so easy. They are depending upon their pipeline, the Nord Stream 2 which bypasses Ukraine, which delivers natural gas directly to the European Union, especially Germany, under the Baltic Sea. So it gives Russia leverage over the EU. It empowers them. That's what they want. Trump had sanctions in place that prevented that Nord Stream 2 from being completed. Biden lifted those right away when he came into office. Odd. Odd, don't you think, that he would give Russia that gift? Meanwhile, he shuts down the Keystone 2 pipeline that would have delivered enormous amounts of fuel to America. So he helps Russia and hurts America. Helps Russia, hurts America. So if he wanted to stop this, he would put sanctions immediately on the Nord Stream 2, prevent it from, being, from going operational, which would cripple Russia's economy, which, by the way, is about 50% reliant on oil and natural gas, the energy sector. So if we just put sanctions in place to stop that from going online and then we were to unleash our own energy independence again and to export our own oil to Europe, undercutting Russia, making Europe have no need for Russia anymore and to come to us for oil, I guarantee you those troops would be marching home immediately. But he won't do it. Ukraine's asking for help. This is uh, uh, non-forceful. This isn't relying on American troops. This is just sanctions that would get the job done, but he won't do it. Now, most interesting though about this story, as soon as it was published, the White House had it pulled down. CNN retracted the story, deleted the story. How about that? How about that? And so you know what the call is now? We're demanding transcripts. I want to see the transcripts of the phone call between Joe Biden and Zelensky. Since there's disagreement about what took place on the phone call, the White House is denying that this took place. And I don't care what Zelensky comes out and says. They've got a lot of power and authority over Ukraine. Ukraine needs our help right now. So they can get Zelensky to say whatever he wants. Just like, do you remember the quid pro quo phone call when Biden tried to get the then president of Afghanistan to lie about the situation, to lie. The Taliban was marching on Afghanistan. They were ready to take Kabul. It was imminent. And Joe Biden called and asked him to tone down the rhetoric, to tell the media that it wasn't so bad. Lying to us. So I want to see this this transcript. How many transcripts did Joe Biden ask that he demanded to see when it was the quid pro quo phone call that didn't happen with President Trump? They demanded it. We have to see it. The American people deserve to see what took place because, you know, we cannot tolerate a quid pro quo with this president, Donald Trump. You know, we want to impeach him over it. We have to see the transcript. Well, I want to see the transcript of this phone call. The American people deserve to know we're being left in the dark. None of this is adding up. I've got my assertion. Prove me wrong, Biden. Prove me wrong, White House. Stop lying to us. And that's, of course, All they do. So that's the latest development. I'm holding fast to what I have to say. And we'll see. I'll let you know and keep you updated as soon as my article gets published. Which my article, of course, is, here's the reason we aren't going to war with Russia. And my assertion is, we love Russia. Biden loves Russia. It's the globalist mentality. Globalists believe that America does not deserve to be the most formidable force in the world. It's unfair that America be the greatest nation in the history of the world. It's unfair that we have all this influence and power. And so the globalist wants to bring America down a peg or two or ten, and they want to uplift foreign adversaries many notches to create an equal level playing field. Equal level playing field. And so this fulfills that. And this is just like what Obama did back in Crimea with, with, sorry, with the Russian conflict in 2014. And remember this, three quarters of the aides, top aides to Joe Biden were in the Obama administration, globalists who oversaw our response to the invasion of Ukraine in 2014. They did this in 2014 and they seized Crimea, annexed it. And you know what, what Obama was saying? You know, you know, the, the, the movement of troops Russian troops into Ukraine in the Crimea region, that really, really ramped up. It was February and March when that all took place. And in February, before the annexation actually took place, when there were reports of Russian troop movements, military movement in the Crimea region of Ukraine, Obama said he was deeply concerned. And he said there would be consequences if they took Crimea. And then they took Crimea. And what happened? Obama sanctioned uh, I don't know, eight or nine individuals, which which was nothing. They just said, oh, we're sanctioning these people. It was all a big show. It was just enough enough talk, enough threats, enough fake sanctions that didn't actually accomplish anything to give the administration, the Obama administration, the the ability to pretend like they didn't want it to happen, to pretend like they tried to stop it, pretend like they were upset pretend like an effort was made to stop it from happening. But they didn't make any effort to stop it from happening. That's what I'm saying. You know, Anthony Blinken, Tony Blinken, Secretary of State right now, who is supposedly responsible for negotiating and spearheading this effort to stop this imminent invasion, well, he served in the Obama administration as a deputy. When... Russia seized Crimea. And so the same people are in this administration that were in the Obama administration. So why should the result be any different? That's my assertion all along. This is just all a big show, all talk. And I'm telling you right now, I don't have evidence of this. I think there are outlets to Russia from this White House, from this administration that is scandalous. I think that the The White House and this administration, the Biden regime, has their own intentions. They're working behind the scenes to achieve something, and they're not only not letting the American people know about it, but they're keeping Ukraine and the EU in the dark. I think there's something very sinister going on, and it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. So we'll keep an eye on this. This is going to move fast. There'll be uh, new lies coming out in the media soon. But I wanted to keep you abreast of this because I feel like I'm one of the people who's really been on top of this. And my opinion apparently is not popular, but I'm not here to talk popular. I'm here to talk and examine the facts and tell you what I think. I don't know how else you interpret this. You've got all this contradictory information between the White House, the Biden regime, and everyone else practically. And you've got a Ukraine that's apparently asking for help, asking for sanctions, and we're not doing it. We're saying we're only going to implement sanctions after they come into you. Do we want to stop the conflict or not? That's the the question. So obviously we're not interested in stopping this conflict. That much is clear. So we're not interested in stopping this conflict. We're not interested in protecting Ukraine. So what are we doing? What is that but assisting Russia? What is that but signing off on Russia? And he can talk about sanctions, talk about this and that, but the point is the Nord Stream 2 is still a greenlit. They're getting everything they want. You've got over 100,000 troops amassed on the border, and we could send them home tomorrow with the the uh, protocols, the the sanctions, the unleashing American energy independence. Just like I said, it's a sound strategy. It doesn't require a single shot fired, and this would end tomorrow, but we're not doing it. So anyway. Remember. Remember again. There's always a reason for everything that the Democrats do. It's not accidental. Afghanistan wasn't accidental. It was insane, it was wrong, it seemed idiotic, it was dangerous, it got Americans killed, but it wasn't it wasn't due to some kind of criminal stupidity. It was due to criminal intent. And that's the point of all this with the Democratic Party. So you'll just wait and see. We're coming up on February. They're going to push voting rights. They're not stopping. They're not slowing down. They want a campaign issue. And I know what the Republicans are, 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 are looking at. You know, they, they think if they just sit on their hands and don't do anything for the next X amount of months until the midterms, well, maybe they can win and then do something. That's not the way it works. And I'm so sick of these leaders acting like they're entitled to their positions, McCarthy, McConnell. No, it's time to audition. It's time to act like you're in a leadership position in the majority now. And I want a contract with America. That's what I think we need, just like Newt Gingrich did. If we're going to sweep and take everything just like we did back, what is that, 93, 94? I want a contract. Who's going to write it? That person deserves a leadership position. I want people signing their names, telling us exactly what they're going to do when they get in to the Senate, and the House of Representatives. Tell us exactly what the agenda is. Tell us what you're going to do to save this country. Submit policy proposals to explain to the American people how we're going to help them. And also to show them side by side a comparison of why the Democratic Party policies are responsible for the carnage in this country right now and how Republican policies are going to save the day. Why conservative ideas win. Why Democrat ideas bring about the suicide of America. That's what I want, a contract with America. Write it out, sign your names, give us concrete things that you're going to do so we can hang our hats on and support you and hold you accountable going forward. All right, this is Drew Allen. God bless you. Until next time.